Morning, Bethany Ballard. I am really excited to be here um, for a couple of reasons. First of all, first reason is, in all seriousness, uh, it's this is my first time in this building on a Sunday morning. I've been here with the staff at other times. We've done celebrations here, but the entire church knows about Bethany Ballard, about the culture that you've built, the community, uh, the worship, the teaching. Like this is known as a really great church. And I mean, if I lived, I'm here this morning and I'm just sitting here, I'm like really blessed by the worship, the candles, the coffee. If I lived anywhere close, this would be my church. This is an awesome church. So I'm so glad to be with you here this morning. The second reason I'm excited to be with you this morning is that we prayed downstairs and one of the prayer team members asked, what could I pray for? And I, uh, I said, for just the one person, because every time I preach, I am hoping that one person has a life-changing encounter with God, and maybe, maybe that's you this morning, to have a, a new encounter or a, a reminder of God's radical love for you as we teach through the book of Romans. My belief is that someone's life is going to change in small ways today, so maybe it's you. Who knows? Let me pray, and we'll begin. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this church and what you've done here of planting a piece of Bethany here in Ballard. We thank you for this neighborhood. We pray, God, your spirit would be present even now as, as, I, as I teach. God, open up our ears and eyes and our hearts to learn from you. Uh, take this old text of Romans 4 and make it new again in the living of our lives. God, we want to hear from you this morning. We ask and beg and pray. And all God's people said, amen. Romans 4, you have it in your, your outline. The, the title this morning is called Walk On. Walk On. I'll be teaching through the entirety of Romans 4. A subtitle that we could have used, didn't use, but is learning to, learning to have faith in the dark. Uh, one of the things that uh, I was just with one of my best friends Friday night, Whitworth football. Brad's teasing me. Yes, I did play at Whitworth. I know it's like... Really? Didn't see it. I know, I know. But, uh, and, and in those days, we would win like two games a year. So it really was not an accomplishment. Uh, but one of my best buddies' coaches for Whitworth, we were together Friday night because Whitworth was uh, in town to play Tacoma uh, UPS. And I was reminded of this story that right before I got married, my buddies wanted to bless me with a journey, an adventure. I'm like, fantastic. You know, I'm thinking Vegas, not really a Vegas guy, but that's what you do. Or like a big concert or Maui. You know, I'm like, let's fill in the blank. Like, no, we're going to Alberta. I'm like, interesting. We're going to do the Wapta Ice Fields. We're going to do the Bow Hut Traverse. We're going to go, we're going to drive. We're going to leave Spokane at some ungodly hour and drive north for seven hours. We're going to climb up to 8,000 feet in in, uh, on skins, on our telemark skis, we're going to go hut to hut to hut. It was January. I'm like, this doesn't sound good. And sure enough, we were in for an adventure. We put in at the trailhead too late. Uh, we put our gear. We were about a mile in when the guy that was our leader from the outdoor store said, this is really cool. I've never done this before, you know. <laughs> Here's things you don't want to hear from your guide. I've never done this before. I'm like, what part? The traverse? He's like, just this whole thing. I mean, I've been wanting to do this. I'm like, interesting. We start with, you know, we learn so many things. So many times you go on an adventure, right? The second time you would do it much different. Like the second time, like, oh, we would never leave from Spokane in the morning. We would never approach from the south side. We would never do it in January. And sure enough, we started to, to climb up with our skis and our packs up this like glacier moraine and the sun went down and we're heading for a hut up on the ice fields. If we don't get there, we're at 8,000 feet. We're, we're several thousand feet above the tree line. So it's not like, oh, no big deal. I mean, so the, the, the conversation 
conversation changes when the sun goes down. We have headlamps, but if you, as you know, when you travel in the dark, that headlamp, which, you know, at REI feels pretty luminescent and pretty bright, you know, all of a sudden feels tiny. And we're climbing up this, this like glacier, you know, kind of pinnacle where we're trying to find our way into the dark. And to our left, we can tell it literally drops off several thousand feet. My buddy, the coach of Whitworth, he's one of these guys. I don't know if you have any friends like this. They talk a lot of trash. Do you have any friends like that? No? Okay, I do. Uh, he works here, but it's cool. Um, but this guy, my college buddy, he was like, he's a trash talker. But he, on the hike up, he had pulled his hip flexor. And now, instead of skiing up, we're now carrying our skis. We have 50 pounds of gear on our back, because in those days, we used to all travel really heavy, right? It's totally different now. This is 20 years ago. And we're, he's silent, the talk is silent now. The tra- I mean, we, we're scared. The end of the story is this. Like, we did walk on through the dark. We, we found the hut, but not the hut we were aiming for. We found a geological survey hunt that we had to, like, break into the attic, slept on. So it was totally a miserable experience that in the looking back, we can say, what an adventure. But that night, walking on in the dark... Man, that took faith. And I'll tell you, like, faith, like, oh, okay, but there were no other options. Like, by faith, we had to continue to follow the guy in front of us that didn't know what he was doing. By faith, we had to believe that what was up ahead was better than what was behind. By faith, we had to believe, I mean, we were, we were praying as well. But when you find yourself in dark spaces, when you find yourself in difficult situation, it is faith that carries you to walk on. And it is as we turn to Romans 4 in this faith of Abraham that we're going to talk today about hopeful faith. And it's in your outline as well. It's pretty simple when you teach Romans 4 that the secret to hopeful faith is to walk and to wait and to worship. To walk when we can, wait when we must, and worship in all things. I want you to say that with me. Walk when you can. Wait when you must and worship God in all things. This is the story of Abraham about hopeful faith. Hebrews says, the writer of Hebrews, now faith is confidence that we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So we have this definition from the scriptures about confidence and about assurance. But Paul here in, in Romans 4, he's, he's taken us through a deep dive of the faith. If you've been coming, you know, a little bit like looking backwards, Romans 1, 2, and 3, we find ourselves lost. This is the sinful condition. This is the beginning of the chapters of one, two, and three. We are lost in our own sin. And then we get to that, that change in verse 20, chapter three. But God, but God, the end of chapter three, we get the, the beginning of grace and justification and faith. And then in, in chapter four, Paul is doing basically what teachers do as an illustration. I've told you this, that, remember it too, like, we always have to remember this. Romans is not written to the sinner in Rome. Ro- Romans is, is written to the church. So this is our story, that we are divided, that we are sinners that need continual renewal by God's grace. This is our story. Chapters 1, 2, and 3, you're a sinner. But God, chapter 3, verse 20, God's doing something new. And now, to illustrate it, says Paul, let me talk about Abraham. And so the entire chapter is this description of Abraham living out the faith. 
The, the, the faith that Abraham had as he walked into the dark, he had this hopeful faith that, that was calling him and he lived out. He walked and he waited and he worshiped God. And Paul's saying, because of those things, he becomes a model for us, that we will walk when we can, we will wait when we must, and we'll worship God in all things. And if you, church, can do this, if you can learn to walk always in your faith and wait when you must and worship God in all things, this is what Paul is saying. This is the secret to hopeful faith. So let's look at this first point of your outline. It's the first 12 verses of chapter 4 that, that we need to walk in our faith, that, that Abraham walked. We need to walk when we can. Paul says here, if you have your Bible, I don't have a lot of slides. Sorry, I'm just going to be teaching through the Bible this morning. But Paul says, what, what, what should we say then to Abraham? Kind of like, well, where did this come from? We've been talking about sin and then, but God and in, in verse 20, but all of a sudden Paul said, but what shall we say then about Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? In fact, Abraham was justified by works. He had something to boast about, but not before God. What does scripture say? Abraham believed God and was credited to him as righteousness. He's quoting Genesis 15. So he's literally saying, let me illustrate the faith with the person of Abraham. Now, Abraham, as we studied this week, as you probably know, Brad, myself, Richard, all the teachers, we meet Monday morning at Green Lake and we study the text for a couple hours and we write our outlines together. We, we all preach it really differently. But as we studied Abraham, it was actually Brad's observation because you are really gifted to have Pastor Brad. He's a super smart guy. And he loves the Old Testament. So he's constantly bringing this Old Testament perspective. And, and one of the things he was saying about Abraham, Brad was, as we studied, it was like, Abraham was kind of, you know, the father of monotheism. And we all kind of dug into that. And it's, it's interesting, right? The father of definitely the Jewish faith. Here, Paul is saying he becomes the model for the Christian faith. He, you know, Abraham obviously predates the law, predates Moses. And, and Paul's saying, I want to lift him up. And it's interesting, he's also really part of the, the, the fabric of the Islam faith as well. It's interesting, right? Like if you, if you say that, like, uh, no duh. But, I, you know, I learned this week that the pilgrimage to Mecca was a pilgrimage to honor Abraham and his son in the, in the Islam text, Ishmael. Now, different religion, different, you know, different iteration. But interesting, all three of the major world religions trace it back to Abraham. He's the father of monotheism. It's interesting. And, 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 and Paul says he, 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 he believed, he was credited as righteousness. It's like, well, I, I, I want God to say that about me. I, I want somebody to say, wow, what, what, a, what a faith they have. What a hopeful faith. How did he do it? Abraham walked. Like, that's how he did it. That's how he lived out this big, audacious, hopeful, vibrant faith. He walked. That God spoke over his life and he started to walk. This is Genesis 12. When you read Genesis 12, the story of Abraham, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, your father's house to the land I will show you. Faith is always calling us from and towards to places that we don't yet know exist. I will show you, but when, but how? I want a map. Anybody else in the room cling for a map when life gets hard? Just two of us. Thank you for your honesty. Everyone else here is good, but you and I, we want the map. Like, he didn't know. God calls him, I'll make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I'll curse, and all the people on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went. 
His name's not changed to Abraham till chapter 17. Doesn't matter. Abram, he walked. And I say oftentimes to my congregation, the world doesn't care what you think about. They want to see where you're going. They want to see what you do, where, where you're walking. Like, what's the point? The point is how the faith moves you. And Abram is, is the father of faith, Paul, is making this point because he learned how to walk it out. In verse 12 of chapter 4 here, it's called the footsteps of faith. And, and I, don't, I don't love in Christian circles when we use this language like, well, how's your walk? As if we're you know, somehow walking our way towards you know, this obedience factor. What I love about Paul saying, it's in simply pursuing what God is saying to us and walking out with the next step that God puts in front of us. In this way, he becomes the, the father of our faith. And, and Paul says he, he's righteous. To the Jewish audience, that would have been very important. He was, he was righteous and was credited as faith. Like a lot of us in the room, we seek righteousness, and then we hope our faith increases. And Paul reverses course a little bit. He says, let your faith increase and draw you to righteousness. Like, we, we do these benchmarks. Like, when I stop sinning here, when I'm a better husband or a better, you know, person dating or, or a better roommate or a better worker, like, we, we want to be righteous. And then we hope the righteousness will bring us to a place where someone will look at us and say they had a big, hopeful faith. And Paul says, not Abram. Like, it was his faith that actually bestowed on him righteousness, We've been saved by grace in order to do great works. And don't forget the order. God's grace first called to walk it out. This is the footsteps of faith, the father of all in verse 12. And and just this kind of correlating verses, Hebrews 12 uses this phrase of making every effort. Make every effort, the writer of Hebrews says. In other words, strive to enter into the fullness of this faith. You can't earn it. It's been a gift. Paul just did that. But God... Look at verse 21 through 31 of chapter 3. But God, it's all God's, all God's righteousness he's willing to give you. But it's as you walk that you'll receive it. Make every effort, the writer of Hebrews says. Paul says, devote yourself. This is the walk of faith. Where scripture is calling us to have a faith that moves us. I was a high school English teacher. So we would study the cone of learning. If I hear it, I'll retain, you know, any teachers in the room? No. Okay, well, go with me. I get, you are. Thank you for being a teacher. You are a light where we need you. Thank you. May God's blessing be in your classroom. Cone of learning. Everything you hear, you'll remember what? 30%. You learn and, you know, this, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Okay. When we move, we have a chance to learn. And so we are called to have a faith that's moving us and shaping us as Christ was. Now, this is an interesting verse in Hebrews 5. The writer of Hebrews says this, though, although a son, that Christ learned obedience by what he suffered. Now, for some theologically, that's, that's problematic. What, what could Christ possibly learn when he was God incarnate? What the writer of Hebrews says, it's as, as he suffered, he learned more obedience to follow God. Like, we're called to be lifelong learners in the pursuit of faith. How do we do that? I already said, the world doesn't care what you think about. They care how you're walking it out. Get walking. And, and believe that your faith is calling you to move into new experiences. We become immobile oftentimes in a church. 
We post up with our scripture and a cup of coffee and just hope that someone of our non-believing neighbors will kind of somehow catch the aroma of Christ on us. The challenge in the person of Abraham is that we're called to walk. And I don't know exactly what that means to you, but I'm going to trust the Spirit of God gives you steps to take. Lord Jesus, allow me to move. Put something in front of me, someone before me, an opportunity set up on Sunday mornings, uh, more of the scripture, more, like, I don't know your steps, but God is calling you to be a learner, to walk on in the pursuit of more of him. But, in every one of these, there's a but, we're called to walk, but not work. Because our tendency is then, oh man, you want me to walk? I'll walk. I'll walk further than any of you. My, my grandfather's Norwegian. He worked on a boat in this town. He, he, would, he would work 365 days a year because he gave himself a half day off at Christmas. You want to work on faith? I will outwork you. Paul says here in chapter 4, it's not works. In verse 13, 14, 15, 16, he uses this word of promise three times and heir or, or, or you know, being the recipient three times. This basically says, this is your family position. And much like a family position can't be taken from you, you can't earn your way to God. And so he says, it's not works, but it is a walk. And so walk it out. If you've received the great blessing of faith, Paul's saying to the church in Rome, he's saying right now to the church in Ballad, live the adventure. Live it out. Live it out. Of relationship, not rules. You got to go for a walk. We traveled as a family this summer. I'd always worked as a fisherman in the summers, even when we started Bethany North, but not last summer. Last summer was my first summer off. And so we took our family on this epic adventure. We flew into Paris. We rented a car. I almost killed our family numerous times in Europe. We got to Spain. We met some of our best friends in Spain. We got to the town. Man, we parked the car. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. We didn't kill ourselves or lose our, you know, $10,000 deposit on this rental car. And we get to the town of Valencia, Spain. Our friends are like, it's our favorite place in Europe. They've been numerous times. Show us. What do we do? You walk. Like, that's all you do. Like, we want to see the town. Oh, interesting. We read the books. We saw the websites. But until you walk the town, you haven't seen anything. And so every day is about 100 degrees. And our friends, they're just like, let's go for a walk. And through Valencia, Spain, there's this wonderful park that runs through. You know, what would, we would just walk and walk and walk. And by the end of the week, numerous tantrums with our five-year-old. I won't lie to you. And we had a new experience of a new place because we had walked every inch of that town. So if you want a faith that's taking you somewhere, I want more hope. I want less cynicism, less bitterness, less destruction, less distraction. Go for a walk. And trust Jesus to put a step in front of you today, and then you take the next step. Not working for anything, but walking into the, the adventure that God puts in front of you. We need to walk when we can. Secondly, we need to wait. We need to wait when we must. Waiting is a huge part in the life of faith. In verse 16 and 17 of chapter 4, therefore the promise comes by faith so that being by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but to those who have faith of Abraham. He's the father of us all. As it is written, I've made you a father of many nations. He's our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. 
It's beautiful, evocative language. What kind of God do we worship? We have a God who is giving us new power, but we will hit places in our walk where we have no stinking idea what Jesus is up to. If you have a faith like me, you will hit places in your journey to think, what in the world, God, are you up to? Guess what? So did Abraham. Like, read your Bibles this week. Start in Genesis 12. Hear the, hear the promise spoken over him. Man, I love that. How I wouldn't die for God to speak that kind of promise. I'm blessed to be a blessing. Go, and he went. I love it. And then what happens in Genesis 12? There's famine in the land. In Genesis 13, he's in, he's in Egypt, and, and Abraham sins and says that his wife is his sister. And then Genesis 14, his nephew comes and says, I'm out. Yeah, we've had some success. It's been a good run, but I want mine now, and I head out. And it's Genesis 15 where Abraham is like in the tent. God, what are you doing? You've told me I'm going to be the father. I'm 90 years old. You told me I'll be blessed. My nephew's the closest thing I have to family, and he's abandoned me and fallen into all sorts of sin in Sodom. You told me it'd be easy. I'm hundreds of miles from where I started. You can Google it. Map of Abraham. He walked his tail off. And he gets to places like, why do we have to wait so long? Verse 18, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. First of all, I'm sorry for yelling. I'm from Snohomish County. I know I'm Ballard. You guys are chill. So I'm just, I'm just fired up this morning, but I came from, I came from Snohomish County. I'm sorry. I, I speak a different language, but does anyone else see it? Verse 18, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Paul's calling it. He's like, you will hit places of your journey where you think, time out, God. Why are you having me wait here? I have no idea what you're doing. And against all hope is where faith is formed. And I love that Paul calls it out. Paul's like, this isn't a logical stepping out of faith. He's saying, oh yeah, it was against all hope. Church, I'll tell you something that maybe you already know. We face right now a catastrophe of hope. A catastrophe. Because man, read the news. Uh, Cinder Flake, last last week, Washington Post, we've hit the low point of American history, he said. So like, if we're reading the newspapers for our hope, yeah, low point. If we're waiting for the Huskies to be, make the national semifinal or the Sounders this year or the Mariners, I don't even want to go there, but like, like, yeah, low point of hope. Like if we're waiting for the world to give us our hope, yeah, there's no hope. But if we are people from different issues, from different even, you know, backgrounds, that, that, that have existed, this church has existed for a hundred years, not by what we all have in common, but because of the shared pursuit of Christ for a hundred years in, in essentials unity, in non-essentials liberty, in all things charity from the beginning. Oh yeah, you'll disagree about things at times, but if our hope is the same about who Christ is, then we have something to do church for and invite our friends to. And so against all hope, Paul says, Abraham had hope. May you be a church that remembers where the hope is. It's in who Jesus is. And that your faith is calling you to more and more hopefulness. Not Pollyanna about what's going on in the world, but as people of the word saying, you know what? Yeah, things are dark right now in our city and with the homeless crisis and in our nation. But 
Maybe, just maybe, God's calling us to more hope right now, doing a new work in us and how we love one another and love the world in hope. Abraham was blessed to be a blessing from the beginning. That phrase, you can't take apart. Abraham wasn't just blessed, all inhale. Bless me, Jesus. Will you bless me? I want to be married right now. I want to have a baby, Jesus. I I, I need a new job. I need a new car. Like That doesn't make you a sinner, by the way. That makes you human. But you can't take the phrase apart. You've been blessed, if you're, if you're a child of Abraham, to be a blessing. Lord Jesus, would you bless me in order that others would know you? That's where the hope comes from. That's where the phrase and the promise was given. God spoke it. Oh yeah, Abe, you, you'll be hungry. You'll be barren. You'll be lonely. You'll face family difficulties. And to all those, we're like, oh, me too. But in, against all that, have hope that I will make you a blessing to the world. And when we wait like that, the world sees, oh, these Christians, they've got something that I want. Wait, but do not waver, verse 20. He, he doesn't waver, verse 20. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. He was strengthened in his faith. And so may you wait when you must. And not waver in your faith, believing that God wants to use you to be a blessing in the lives of other people. His faith was strengthened. What do you do when you're waiting and wondering what in the world God is doing? You know, my personal story, all of us, our our theologies, our journeys, our walks are so informed by just our story, right? Like who you are, how you've seen other people live out the faith, the stuff that has excited you, the stuff that's broken your heart. And our personal story is that God had called me into ministry. We worshiped at the Green Lake location, this little brick building by the lake. The pastor was a little long-winded, but he was good, you know, and the people were a little older than us at the time. Uh, This is a long time ago, but they seem nice. Like, we'll stick it out. There's hope here. They seem to be authentic here. They seem to be vulnerable here. I'll stick it out. And then God called me into the church. Interesting. Never wanted to work in a church. Who would? But God says, I, I want to I I use you, Scott, to be a blessing in the lives of other people. I was in the spring of 2008, and it was, I was saying to my friend Blake here, um, I was saying that um, that next season was a time of tremendous blessing. Like, literally, like the Maui sunset picture that you envy and kind of hate the people, that that's their Facebook feed in February when you're driving to work. Like, oh, I would love to be on the beach. Like, we had that moment. We had two young kids. Like, the business we ran was good. God had called me into the church, and I was starting seminary. I thought I would be maybe a pastor 20, 30 years from now. Like, it's all good. Like, high point. And in December of 2008, my wife is nine months pregnant, and we go to the routine doctor's exam. We're six days post-due. We'll probably induce the next day, but it's all good. December 2008 in Seattle. We still had our tans from Maui. Like, all good. And the routine doctor's exam, we can't find his heartbeat. We can't find it. We'll move you to a different machine. We'll bring in a different nurse. We'll find it. I'm sure we'll find it. They never found it. We lost our son. He was nine. He was in utero, but nine pounds, six ounces. And, and what the doctors believed, but then there was liability, and they didn't have a lot of truthful conversations. My wife had been leaking amniotic fluid, and his 
his, his uh, umbilical cord became hypertense and, and prolapsed. We walk over to a hospital, Swedish for still, and hooked my wife up to where she would labor through the night and delivered my son, Fisher Samuel's son, dead at 7 the next morning. We got to spend the day with him. Uh, Richard was in Europe. Donna came to pray with us, Pastor Phil, friends. And um, at the end of the day, we had a photographer, an organization comes called Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep, and they wrapped him, and we took pictures, and we just, we just sobbed all day, of course. We just wept, 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 wept. At the end of the day, we had to drive home. Like, f- faith in dark times? I don't presuppose my journey is any harder than yours. I know everyone in this room is like, but yeah, my thing's different and it's harder. Or like, I, I don't really get into this, like, let's compare our scars thing. We've all been hurt. What kind of faith will sustain you in your darkest night? I, I don't know how you would answer it. But I do know for me, it was the faith of Abraham, the person of Jesus Christ, the church that brought us meals, the small group that put on a worship service, the pastor named Richard that had the audacity on December 20, 2008 to preach a sermon with our hearts grieving in the front row. Oh yeah, we were hurting and still do at times, but our hope didn't waver because the hope is bigger than any circumstance you face. And so may you wait when you must, but have a faith like Abraham that can sustain you in the darkest of times. And this is the close of the chapter. This is the close of the sermon, that we need to be people that worship God in all things. How do you worship God in all things? I'll tell you what worshiping God in all things looked like for me in those next six months as I would get in the car after taking care of my grieving wife, after taking my grieving kids to their, their therapy appointments and you know, making sure. And then I would get in my car and I would drive and I would, I would scream. I would scream because God can handle it. He can. He can handle all your pain. He can handle all your worries. But where does your hope go when you're waiting in the dark? Man, we need to have a faith calling us to worship God even when we don't know what he's up to. In the good and the bad, Paul closes this chapter of Romans, verse 23 through 25, the words that was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us. This is all about us, Paul said, to whom God will credit righteousness for us. Say it again, us who believe in him who raised Jesus, our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for us, for our sins, and he was raised to life for us, for our justification. This is our story, says Paul, that we get to experience the very life of Christ, that he was put to death, our sin put to death with him, and as he was raised to life, this is where the worship comes from. Not that it's all going to be good days, not that there won't be famine in the land, not that we won't face grief, but that in Christ's new life, it brings us new life. That in Christ's hope, it brings us hope. That against all hope, that this is where we can worship from. If we're gonna, if we're gonna walk but not work, if we're gonna wait but not waver, then we're gonna worship and not worry. And, and I'll just say parenthetically, there are people in the room, this room, or listening later online that are struggling with a real diagnosis around anxiety, or you're really struggling, please get the help you need. Because there's times when doctors and medicine will help alleviate some of this anxiety you're sitting under. I'm just going to sit that. I'm going to say it, believe it, put it on the shelf. In addition, I want to challenge you, church. We have a predisposition to worry a whole lot. 
instead of worship because we lie to ourselves and say, well, when the worry is through, the worship can start. So God, if you can just wrap up the worry with the problem of today, then my worship can begin. And if you're like me, there is, a, there is a, every day a narrative that the world's falling apart. It's a new kid that's probably going to end up in prison. I've got four kids, so every day it's a different one. It's my marriage is ending. My job, my church is ending. We're going to go bank. Like, I, probably not you. Maybe you, because you, yeah, you and me. But like, right? Like, there's this narrative that the world's falling apart. And so we worry a lot. Because when we worry, we put ourselves on the throne. And when it's just me on the throne, then yeah, there's tons to worry about. Until there's not. But the worship doesn't end when the worry's in. The worship gets us there first. We say, God, let me climb down from my throne for a while and put you back on it. God, I want to worship you. I know there's things in my life this morning even that I'm worried about. God, take the worries I want to worship you even in these situations that seem unfinished. I want to walk and not work towards faith. I want to wait but not waver. Lord Jesus, I want to have a faith that worships you and stops worrying so much. Can I live a faith like that? Abraham believed and was credited as righteousness. It's a quote from Genesis 15. Read it this week, please. Will you read it this week? Because it's one of the most beautifully evocative scenes in all of Scripture where the promise in 12 has been spoken over Abraham, and then there's famine, and there's lot, and there's all this stuff, and then it's 15. He's hundreds of miles from home. He's years from when he started, and still years from being a father, because the life of faith is a whole lot of waiting. But in Genesis 15, God says, step out of the tent, Abe. I want to change your scenery. Step out of the tent. Abraham, I want you to stand up under the stars. Can you see him, Abraham? Can you see him? When you look up, says God, you see the stars of the sky, so shall your offspring be. It's this promise of God's blessing. Not in the absence of worries and concerns and hopelessness and pain and lot. No, no. In the midst of all that, God has the audacity to speak words of hope into Abraham's life. Look up, he says, and know that I'm doing a big work in your life. And so may you be a church that looks up and believes that God wants to bless you and increase you. Bethany Ballard, like you started as this little thumbprint and now God is giving you like fingers of a hand. May you live into the fullness of the body of Christ. There are empty chairs in this room. Why? This church is awesome. Bring a buddy to church. Tell your neighbors, okay? It's a hopeless world, but we have hope in Jesus. And may our faith increase in us. May God speak that hope into you like the stars in the sky that he does want to increase your faith as you walk and you wait and you worship him. Let me say a prayer to that in now. Lord Jesus, thank you for this church here in Ballard. And we just pray, God, that you continue to increase their faithfulness. Lord God, they walk to receive what you've already given them. They don't, they don't work to earn a thing. But God, we know that there are very real problems both in our society and in our hearts this morning. And yet in the midst of that waiting, Lord God, we want to be people that worship you well. May you bless this church. May you increase their ministry. But God, would you be glorified in it all? We're your sons and daughters this morning, God. So grateful the faith that you've allowed us to receive. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Amen.